Hello, and welcome to the Shingo Principles Podcast, the podcast for those interested in building a culture of continuous improvement and sustainable organizational excellence. I'm your host, Mary Price, with the Shingo Institute, a program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. The Shingo Principles Podcast is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with thought leaders and practitioners around the world experienced in transforming cultures using principles, systems, and tools. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. In this episode of the Shingo Principles podcast, we hear from Shingo faculty fellow Norbert Majerus and former president of the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, Jean-Claude Keen, as they discuss how ethical behaviors are crucial and the lack thereof can be detrimental. Both presenters share personal experiences and address how leaders and practitioners should set standards on ethical lean thinking. This is the final podcast in the two-part series. Part one covered grasping the situation and part two covers principles and implementation. Yeah, good morning or good evening, good night, uh, depending on where you are in the world. Um, and thanks, Mary, for inviting us uh, to do it, to do this, to share our thinking about uh, the subject. Uh, if you missed part one, or if you don't remember what we said there, I want to very quickly um, uh, repeat uh, or give a summary. Uh, the um, uh, we, we know about the devastating, uh, devastating conf- uh, consequences of unethical uh, behaviors. And we cited the Volkswagen and Boeing as examples uh, last time. But we also said that uh, a lot of um, unethical consequences uh, remain uh, unpublished and uh, very often uh, even uh, companies don't even know about it. Uh, the um, uh, the unethical conduct is uh, basically rooted in uh, people's behaviors much more than um, uh, than processes and um, uh, if you uh, a lean uh, process just uh, throwing out uh, the the process itself without the right uh, people uh, part of it can create more temptations and we talked about empowerment uh, there that could even cause more temptations for unethical behavior. But then we also said that in a true lean culture, the likelihood for unethical behavior can be uh, greatly minimized. And that's actually the part that uh, we're going to talk uh, today about uh, what principles help there and how they can be uh, implemented. And uh, thanks for feedback. Uh, uh, I got We got some feedback after the, the first uh, session. Carsten Hartung from Germany, he uh, pointed out that education and personal integrity also play a great uh, part in lean uh, behaviors. Of course, Carsten, uh, no doubt about that. And uh, certainly uh, different people in the company take a different approach to um, uh, to uh, to uh, ethical uh, conduct. And then Steve Ulmer sent uh, us some um, uh, data that I will use uh, later on in this uh, presentation. So in the first, uh, we ended the first part with five inspirations that we think uh, will help us to find our way to an um, uh, to a lean, uh, uh, people-focused uh, culture that also um, uh, 
has the right, takes the right approach to ethical behaviors. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Jean-Claude for the first subject here, the people-focused lean. Okay, thank you, uh, Norbert. Yes, people-focused, uh, that's really very important, uh, but I must admit that uh, from my personal experience and, and career, that uh, the people side, Ladeline, the people focus, that was not something that came very naturally to me. Being an engineer by background, I had a tendency always to see uh, the uh, problems through a, a technical lens, uh, exclusively a technical lens. And while there is nothing wrong looking at a problem through the technical uh, dimension, uh, the people uh, side, um, I realized that the people side was really more important. And as I learned that, as I learned it personally, I tried to share my learning with the organization. And I said, whenever we had a, a major problem, I said, uh, well, our products, they don't design themselves and they do not manufacture themselves. At the end, uh, if there is a problem, there is always... Uh, there is always a human root cause. And uh, that is not meant to blame people, not at all. And I will come back to, uh, to that later. It is just to recognize how important people are if we want uh, things to go uh, well. And uh, that means that uh, we really have to, uh, in, in, uh, in the, the people aspect, uh, we have to earn and build trust. Uh, and between the leaders and, and the organization. And we have to nurture that trust by developing an atmosphere of responsibility and, and, and accountability. And that is what I already mentioned uh, a bit earlier. It's not so much reliant on the consequences of, of bad uh, behavior, but it, it's to make sure that people know that they are responsible for it. Uh, uh, the other thing that is also... Uh, Important is that the accountability is based on a covenant between the leaders and, and the associates. And, and this covenant or agreement includes, uh, first of all, um, that uh, uh, deliverables are chosen or defined uh, so that uh, associates know how they can uh, deliver it. It is not impossible goals uh, that lead people to uh, to choose ways that are maybe not okay to deliver those. And then also how the deliverables are accomplished. I think it's very important that there is an agreement uh, on that. And I must say that leaders have to stress that uh, uh, things have to be done the right way. And I was very fortunate in my career that I had leaders who always insisted on that, that it is not just about achieving the objective, but it has to be done uh, the right way. The other thing is uh, emphasize the collaboration among people and uh, versus just competition, or I would say an unhealthy, an unhealthy competition. Uh, and then finally, the last point uh, that is to encourage uh, diversity, uh, uh, a team without, without diversity lends itself uh, more to uh, something that is uh, uh, I, I would say uh, there are no natural checks and balances, whereas if you have diversity, people with different backgrounds, that sets up the natural checks and balances 
and that make uh, unethical behavior maybe not completely impossible, but much more difficult. So <clears throat> if you can go to the next chart. Uh, yeah, it's up. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so the leadership model, uh, I think uh, the humble leader sets an example. That is really something I would like to uh, uh, to elaborate, uh, if if there are problems in many cases that that are published uh, that we know about, um, you can trace them back to an egocentric leader. Uh, humble leaders are rarely they rarely set an example of greed and personal ambitions or, or power plays, um, but um, they care and they help associates. And uh, they set the example. And setting the example is, is, is really uh, the important thing here. Um, it's it's uh, setting a clear example and an unambiguous example. And I give you here an example from my career where I maybe failed to, to set uh, a clear example. And uh, that was that uh, I was vacationing with my family and uh, one of my direct reports called me about the problem and uh, uh, he told me that um, what, what the decision that uh, he was expecting from me and um, finally I, I, I agreed with him uh, because I mean it was a long call and, and my family was waiting on me, uh, we were on vacation etc. But I, I realized it was not a great decision, but I still thought it is something that can be uh, defended. Now, a few days later, when my vacation was over and I had time to think about it, and then I also had time to talk with other people, I realized that I had made uh, a mistake. And I, I was wondering how I could make such a, could have made such a decision. And I just decided that I made the wrong decision and I changed my decision. Uh, and luckily I did that uh, uh, because what I did was not, not really an unethical decision, but it, it lent maybe to an interpretation because it was in the gray area. And that is something that a leader um, has to, uh, to avoid. And that is also why it's important to be able to to correct your decision if you believe your decision was not the best don't hesitate to uh, to correct it now respectful uh, oversight uh, I, I think it's it's based on trust and and uh, respect we have to uh, presume that the vast majority of associates but not just associates people in general that includes customers they want to do uh, the, the right thing. Um, and, and that is why auditing and inspecting, uh, they are needed. Uh, I had a board member once who said, you don't get what you expect, you get what you inspect. But I think it should be uh, kept to a minimum. And I uh, give you an example here, that is the self-scan that is used now in many uh, stores. Uh, I mean, you scan your, your own uh, whatever you buy before putting it into your cart, you, you scan it. And then when you come to the, uh, to the checkout, you just uh, use the scanner and, and uh, the, 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 uh, you, you, you pay and, and you can leave. But occasionally they make uh, a spot check to see, I mean, um, uh, that uh, you have really scanned everything. But that is just occasionally, uh, it's one, I don't know what it is. I have the feeling for me, it's one out of 10. 
And that is much more efficient than having putting all the things into your card. Then you go to the cash register. Everything has to be taken out of the card, has to be scanned by the cashier, and then it has to be put into plastic bags and, and cards. So a much more efficient way um, that partially relies on, on the trust of, of the people. The other uh, approach that I have found in my career that, uh, that works uh, very well, that is um, uh, separation of powers. Uh, uh, what do I mean by that? That is the associates who, uh, who do uh, the, jo the job are not the same as those who, who collect the data. Uh, and I will give you two examples that, uh, uh, that I have uh, seen in my career and that I believe that worked really very well. If you have to release a new product and you ask the team leader or the project manager to present the results, well, naturally, um, they will be tempted to uh, present the results in a favorable way, uh, maybe emphasize a little bit more what, what is positive and de-emphasize uh, maybe things that are uh, not, so, uh, not, not, not so good. It, it's just human nature. Uh, there is nothing um, that can be done again that is uh, human nature. However, what I found worked very, very well is when it was the test organization. So the organization that was responsible for running all the tests when they were in charge of presenting the results. Um, they were much more objective than the team that developed uh, the new product. And I have seen by having them present the result, uh, you have that separation of power uh, and, and it worked. You, you get a much more objective way of presenting uh, uh, the results of a new product. And I, I think that the release committee or the release team that eventually gives the green light to a new product, they can have much more confidence that what they have seen reflects really reality. Another example that I found also very well, that is for uh, cost reduction uh, teams. I mean, if, if it is the team that does the cost reduction and implements and develops them, etc., also calculates how much money was safe, there is also there a confusion of uh, the, uh, the responsibilities. And I have seen that in that case, if it is the finance organization that calculates the savings, um, discussing and reviewing that with a team that implements the cost savings, that gives you a much more objective way of, uh, uh, of, of assessing what really has been done. Um, and it's not just, uh, I mean, for the organization itself that it is better. It is also for the team that finally um, has developed uh, either the new products or the cost reductions because they can be much more confident that what has been, that has been shown uh, corresponds to uh, reality. So with that, I turn it back over to you, Norbert. <clears throat> Thank you, Jean-Claude. Um, I want to cover the last two items here. Uh, the, uh, the first one, uh, what, I, what we call ethics end-on. Uh, we all know um, the, the end-on in the Toyota system. It's where everybody uh, working on an assembly line is empowered to stop the assembly line if they see anything that is not perfect. And the question is, could we uh, engage the people um, in a similar way to pull an, an, uh, an ethics end on um, to, to just um, uh, kind of um, uh, stop that uh, behavior. And uh, of course, we all know the anonymous um, 
lines that the companies have to report um, abuse or um, uh, things like that. Uh, could something like that be used? And I got some good feedback there from um, uh, from Steve, uh, who, who said that the 43% fraud in a company is actually reported internally. So um, the, it, it seems like something like that could work. But then you have to ask yourself, would people turn in their colleagues um, uh, uh, and embarrass them? And uh, that's where I'm not so sure that would work so well. But I, uh, I think it, uh, I can envision a system where people should empower it to coach their colleagues at all levels, uh, maybe even coach upwards uh, when they see uh, the, the behavior that is not totally appropriate because uh, most associates know that any unethical behavior can not only hurt the company, but it can only also hurt um, the people who work in the company. And um, uh, if people feel uh, uh, surrounded by uh, by colleagues who um, uh, who make them aware of uh, unethical behaviors, uh, they quickly realize that uh, the majority of the people uh, uh, desire the right behavior, and um, I think something like that could uh, uh, could work. Uh, but I also believe that um, appropriate help and uh, coaching, education, and so on is needed, and uh, maybe even in some cases. Um, uh, an uh, appropriate escalation may still be uh, may still be required there. Then the last subject is the, to trust the process, uh, but I want to emphasize that it is trust the right process and the right system. Uh, you heard this before, the right process generate the right results. Yes, uh, to a large extent, that's correct. But I still believe that uh, the right process has to also be um, supported by the right uh, behaviors of everybody who works in that process. And let me give you an example here, uh, an example that I lived uh, through myself. Um, you know the, the traditional um, uh, system for appraising people, for um, uh, advancing people in a company uh, based on uh, forced distribution. It's where everybody is put in a rank order and then um, uh, that's what the leaders uh, are working with. And um, uh, I uh, used to manage teams like that. And uh, it's, it's very obvious that the team members, um, first of all, they have an agenda uh, of their own, uh, promoting themselves. And then they have an agenda uh, promoting uh, their, uh, their function because their function is really uh, the one that is responsible uh, to put them in that uh, in that hierarchy in, in in that ranking, and I actually remember a class on project management where uh, we were taught uh, that um, you have to put everything on a common denominator, and actually uh, it was emphasized that you have to come up with a solution that everybody can live with and. Um, that solution I found very often is not the solution that creates the best value for the customer. So contrast that with a um, uh, with a different approach where um, 
where people uh, are on a team and to uh, and uh, the only goal of that team is to generate the best value for the customer and people actually collaborate and they are encouraged to do that and they actually organizationally encouraged uh, to do that and um, i saw that approach uh, lead to um, uh, to a culture where people help each other and now we are talking about um, a really where you can, the results of a team that works in such a manner is so much better than the results of, an, um, of a team where everybody works against each other. And also uh, the collaborative, helpful uh, behavior here uh, leaves very, very little opportunities for any unethical behaviors because people... Um, uh, uh, help each other. They also um, watch each other, and they, um, uh, they 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 influence each other on teams like that. And then um, a standard work, um, a standard work can really help with um, uh, ethical guidelines because standard work, remember, is not written by by the, the 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 authorities in the company standard work is written by the people who do the work and i think um, if pe people who do the work have the right in the right culture with the right um, uh, approach uh, and uh, with the right ethics uh, behaviors will write those standards so the standards will work the way uh, they are intended uh, they are intended uh, by the team so that's uh, those are the five points that uh, Jean-Claude and I felt uh, can give uh, the right inspiration for what we call um, uh, the, the right uh, approach, the right culture to, um, uh, to encourage people to behave in an, um, in an ethical manner, whether uh, uh, the, uh, the consequences will be published at the public at the end or not, uh, doesn't, doesn't really matter. But I think um, uh, uh, this kind of thinking can help companies tremendously uh, for better results in terms of um, uh, financial results or just by um, uh, building a much better uh, building a much better culture. So um, unethical behaviors, as we said, has consequences and is rooted in uh, the behaviors. Uh, lean process focus alone. Uh, could create more temptation, but a, a good lean culture can facilitate um, ethical behaviors. And we've given you a few um, uh, examples here, a few uh, principles, and a few examples that uh, you may find useful to help you create that culture. So with that, um, I think we have time for a few questions and comments. They ask, with so many KPIs and bonuses based on them, how do you fight the system to do the right thing rather than meet the KPIs? Yeah, I think there is a fundamental uh, distinction here between, I mean, who it is, but is it uh, the leader uh, or is it the associates? I think the associates, I mean, it is very difficult to to. Uh, to change that just on their own. I think this is really the accountability and the responsibility of the leadership. 
um, they have to make sure that uh, things are done the right way. And even though there are many KPIs, as I said before, leaders have to insist that things have to be done the right way, meaning in an ethical way. So that is really the accountability of, of the leadership. Thank you. That is the only question that I see. Um, we can wait for just a minute to see if there's any other questions. Well, while we wait uh, for the question, uh, uh, let me uh, just add one moment to the, the previous question. Uh, the, you, you get what you measure. And um, uh, I have seen very, very uh, few companies that even have KPIs that, um, that help them with the people part of their culture. And I think it is uh, uh, companies should think about that. And uh, I'm not trying to emphasize negative behavior here with KPIs, of course, but um, uh, you have leading indicators that, uh, that show you that uh, your culture is moving in the right direction. And uh, I would encourage more companies to think about using some more of the people-related KPIs rather than only results and uh, process-related uh, KPIs. Thank you. Um, and Peter asks, do you need to have a strong foundation on core values to find the non-ethical activities? Jean-Claude, do you want to start? Well, yes, uh, I, I would agree. You have to have a strong ethical uh, foundation. I, I, I think that is, people have to be uh, very clear in their minds that uh, things have to be done in an ethical way. Uh, otherwise, the company is not doing it. And I believe in companies where things went wrong, we, we all know examples, that was not clear in the minds of the people. And why? Because it was not expressed that way by the leaders and in particular at the very top. Yeah, I agree. And I have seen people, uh, leaders, um, uh, just uh, talk about uh, these core values. And um, if the core values are just talked about by the leaders, uh, they are not having much impact. They have to be lived by the leadership. People have to see evidence that uh, that the leaders also follow these core values. And uh, that is something where I uh, saw a lot of uh, uh, mixed uh, messages uh, coming through that, um, uh, that uh, there are values that are talked about, but um, uh, people uh, uh, follow what they see, not uh, what they hear. Thank you. Um, Sarah asks, any ideas on how to align all internal systems like employee ranking to a lean ethics framework? She says, seems like there's something missing and undermines everything. So, Well, let me start that off. I was actually expecting a question like this. Yes, there are ways to do it. Uh, they are uh, not straightforward. And um, I don't know why, but it seems like uh, the uh, the HR organizations uh, are always a little bit 
uh, in most companies, a little bit slower embracing this lean thinking and this lean culture, even though um, somebody has to drive that uh, people part of, of that culture. And um, uh, maybe it's just because the traditional systems are so much uh, simpler. But uh, just to give you two uh, little uh, hints here how that uh, could be improved, uh, to to um, the, to engage a much larger um, a group of people um, in this uh, in this process in this evaluation process uh, is one thing, and then also the criteria. For example, I have seen uh, in companies where <clears throat> associates can choose who would I prefer as a leader, and. Um, uh, team members on project teams are allowed to choose who would I like to work with me on this team. And leaders are allowed to choose uh, who would I want uh, to work for me. And um, a larger sample of that, those are different questions than, um, than companies have asked uh, traditionally. And I have seen this work quite well, uh, but you have to have a, a much larger sample size. But I think uh, that would give um, uh, people a much better input on uh, who are the really uh, better performers in the company than the traditional force distribution. Jean-Claude, you wanna add something to that? Yeah, yeah, maybe I think I fully agree with uh, what uh, what you are saying. I would just add it's also very important that a company does not promote uh, people that uh, have achieved their goals in in an unclear way. Let's put it that way, not necessarily unethical, but uh, uh, where the organization has some doubts because that's that's a horrible uh, example. And I have seen that in the early stages uh, of my career, and it, it was not very good. Uh, when people are promoted, people have to believe, well, that is because she or he has done it the right way. Uh, so that, that is, again, a responsibility of the leadership. Make sure that the people who are promoted uh, uh, have done it uh, the right way and are seen that way by the organization, are uh, seen that way by the organization. Okay, thank you. Um, we have another question, last question. Um, this is from Barry and he asks, do you have examples of key behavioral indicators that measure ethical behaviors for associates, managers, and leaders? Jean-Claude, you want to take a crack at that? Uh, let me think about it a little more. Well, indicators, I don't know. Uh, I, I couldn't find. Uh, this is more a matter of uh, judgment, I believe, where the, uh, the superiors have to make a judgment. Uh, has have these people or had, has that person done it in an ethical way? Has it been achieved in an ethical way? Is this behavior uh, uh, ethical, etc. versus a, a KPI? I, I'm a little, I mean, that's my personal opinion. Not everything can be reduced to a KPI. Uh, there, there have to be judgment calls in life and, and also in companies. Uh, to see whether things have been done the right way. And that cannot always be captured, in my mind at least, by a KPI. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And in fact, Jean-Claude, it reminds me when we started Gamba Walks and um, it, it was amazing. Uh, Jean-Claude actually started Gamba Walks at Goodyear and it was amazing what he learned in these Gamba Walks. I was fortunate to uh, walk with him at least at the beginning to, to get these things going. And it was amazing to me what could be learned there by asking the right questions and by uh, and respectfully asking the right questions. You didn't have to probe anything or it wasn't a witch hunt or anything. It was just uh, uh, people, um, people tell you what they think. If, they, if there's an environment of trust, uh, uh, you, you find out the things that, um, that are very valuable. And um, um, uh, that kind of supports what Jean-Claude just said. Uh, it, it wasn't a dashboard. It was just uh, asking the right questions in the right circumstances that, um, uh, that provided that information. Yeah, maybe just quickly to add to that, Norbert, uh, listening, but also delivering again, Gamba Walks are also a very good opportunity to deliver some key messages. Again, tell the people, make sure you do it the right way. I know that this is very challenging, but do it in an ethical way, do it the right way. Thank you so much for presenting today. And thanks to our listeners for joining in and for all of your great questions. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're looking for additional educational opportunities or you would like to learn more about the Shingo model, please visit our website at shingo.org. Please remember to subscribe and to tune in to next time.